Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Get your Bibles, if you would, please. I'm going to go to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 8 today. I have prayed and I am expecting the Lord to do something mighty in this house. He's already met with us here, but I'm expecting him to do something mighty in this house today. You've heard this preached from before, but the Lord sent me to revisit it. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 19. Behold the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people because of them that dwell in a far country. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their graven images and with strange vanities? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people am I hurt. Lord said, my people are hurting, and I'm hurting. He said, I'm black. Astonishment hath taken hold of me. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? My thought today is bring back the bomb somebody say bring back the bomb when he's talking to you about rediscovering intercessory prayer Heavenly Father we love you today we praise you Lord Jesus for this word I stand in absolute need of you today I pray God that you would help me help me to speak truth under your anointing and grace Lord, I pray, God, that you would do a work today. May this be a a pivotal service for somebody. I pray that somebody today has a moment of clarity. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say amen. God bless you. You can be seated. One does not have to look very far to see that our world is overrun with hurting people. We understand readily that our culture is in crisis because outrage and offense, anger and hostility seems to permeate the day. Our life... has been, you could sit down with your grandparents, you can sit down with those that were before you. My mom and dad went through the Great Depression. They would tell you that they have experienced challenges in life. How many of you have experienced life challenges? We all have. Generations before, and this present generation has has challenges. We've all had hardships and wounds and distress. But our world today is in the depths of dilemma and despair. It is broken. For the spirit of Antichrist in the last day is spreading fear, hopelessness, and confusion like a flood. We watch as apostasy surges 
and the demon of paganism rises. Government leaders and politicians more corrupt now seemingly than ever. Constitutions that once brought stability is now being systematically shredded. Places of academic brain power no longer accepts the, e e the e idea of the existence of God, much less an absolute truth. The religious world is in no less of a flux. Denominations are reporting decline after decline after decline. The family has been attacked and redefined and has been re rendered dysfunctional. So where can a world that is so broken and messed up turn for help? Where can an unhealthy culture find a healthy cure? How should the church respond to such culture? What are we going to do to respond to a world that is hurting? What are we going to do to respond to a world that is in the, the quagmire of confusion <clears throat> and broken? Do we curse it? Do we stand and renounce it? Do we criticize it? Do we complain about it? What must our response be? For a broken world is truly unpleasant to live in. Nonetheless, we live in it today. We live in a broken world. This broken world can mess with your mind. It can make life more complicated. Have you looked at prices lately? When you leave the grocery store, is, is it, is it, does it feel broken to you? Does it feel broken in your families where you have people that have now gone a direction that is so heartbreaking? Broken world. <clears throat> the grieving prophet said it like this, the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people. Behold, he said, it's come to us and, and is crying out because of what comes from a far country. Babylon was coming to attack them. Babylon was coming to, to overtake them. And, 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 and so there's a cry that says, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? A cry of desperation and then the question is asked, do we not have the Lord in Zion? Do we not have the presence of the Lord in his church? Is that there not a king in her? Where are you, God, in a broken world? Are you still on your throne? Where is the power to deliver and to combat this invading force? Don't, don't you have promises to save us? Where are you, God? Says, Let me ask you a question. Why have they provoked or grieved me to anger with their graven images and strange vanities? It was the people who moved, not God. It was the people that had embraced things of idols, not God. Because God and idols cannot coexist. Can I tell you that a world that has worshipped now our culture, our American culture, now has the God of self as their primary worship. If there is a worship of an idol, God will not reside in the same arena. He will not reside. <clears throat> he will withdraw. What we're experiencing today is the withdrawal of the presence of the Lord in a national arena, in a national sense. And the Lord said, the harvest is past. The summer is ended and we have not we're not saved. He said, you have the opportunity. You've had your chance. Now, why are you not saved? Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Then he says, for the hurt, for the brokenness. That's what that word hurt means. The brokenness of the daughter of my people. Am I hurt? Amen. I am black. I'm just covered with like being in the sun until I'm drenched. I am astonished and it's taken a hold on me. And then the Lord asked one of the most powerful questions. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is the health of the daughter of my people they're not recovered. 
Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah, how would you like to, preachers, how would you like to preach for a long time and have deep prophecies and some harsh criticisms of the culture and nobody's converted? Yeah, I don't know that I want to sign up Brother Bingham for that job. Most of his ministry, he's delivering a message to a nation that has turned their back on God. Most of his prophetic utterances are filled with warnings and judgment. And so we find that at this point, Israel, God's chosen people, had become a broken and backslidden people. uh, To understand the depth of where they are, let's go back just a few verses. In Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 4, it says, Moreover, thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Shall... They fall and not arise. Shall he turn away and not return? Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. Here's the condition. They've fallen and they refuse to get back up. They've backslidden and they refuse to come back to God. Amen. They have had that moment of apostasy where they says, listen, I refuse to return and there's nothing you're going to do about it. God then says in in verse six and seven, he asked the question, what have I done? What have I done? Amen. The Lord was paying attention to his backslidden people. He listened, he hearkened, and he heard them. But yet they had no repentance. There was no change in them. They just stayed on the broken path. They kept on the same old, same old path. Yet God said, you say, and I'm using it in modern vernacular, we're cool. We're wise. We know the score. We understand the times. Judah says, we know. We are proud owners of God's truth. We know the law. That's what they were saying. Yet the reality is that they were stuck in an illusion of truth and not God's definitive truth. God's people had turned themselves away from God. Broken busted, messed up. The enemy was about to attack the people of God and they retreat. The people of God retreat in silence. Is there no king in Zion? Is there there no throne? Is he not on the throne? Sometimes in a world that is so much in chaos like we're facing today, it is easy to say, God, where are you? Where are you? My son has turned to homosexuality. God, where are you? My, 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 my niece has become a, a transgenderite. Where are you, God? I, I, I need to know what is going to take place in this broken world. <clears throat> he said, it is for the hurt of my daughter. That word daughter there means towns and people Amen. For the hurt of, 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 of whole people and towns, he said, I hurt. And then he says, since my people are crushed, I am crushed. That's what God is saying. I now mourn. I have a feeling of horror that grips me. As one writer said, is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then? There is no healing for my people. I want to ask us this morning, where is the bomb, the healing cure for the troubled soul today? Where is that miracle pill that the drunkard could take and his life be turned around? Where is the bomb for those that are lost without God? Where is the healing touch for the abused and the molested? Where is the bomb for the sick and the dying? Where is the healing bomb today that we need? Where's the healing for the backslider and the wanderer, the apostate and the reprobate? Where's the healer? Where's the miracle healing 
cure for a nation that has rejected truth? Where is the healing for the arrogant backslider who does not even have a, a want to to get back up? Amen. Is there a scripture that I could quote over this? Is there a word that I can say? Is there a mantra that I can produce? Amen. That they should get up, but they don't get up. They should do right, but they don't do right. They should be free of those drugs, but they're not free of those drugs. They should be saved, but they're lost. Amen. Can I tell you today, we live in a, a culture where demon-possessed people are hurting. Amen. Alcoholics are hurting. Rebellious are hurting. Confusion. Those that are in confusion are hurting. Those that are in the LGBTQ uh, uh, group are really not angry. They're broken and they're hurting and they don't know what to do. Backsliders. Hurting, hopeless, hurting, depressed, hurting, mental issues, hurting, physical issues, hurting. What is wrong with a nation where monsters can mow down innocent people with guns and cars and also a doctor's scalpel? Amen. What are we going to do about it as a church? What are we going to do about the issues of our day? How are we going to face this? Are we going to do it through a vote? Are we going to do it through a protest? Are we going to do it through a post? Are we going to do it? How are we going to address the culture of our day? A backslidden culture. Gilead was known to produce a bomb that they believe possessed healing qualities. Is there a bomb today, an ointment today, that we can rub on the wounds of the broken, the burden, and the sick? Is there a bomb today for those who are offended, those that have supposed church hurt, those who have been offended by church and wounded by preachers? Is there a bomb today that we could use? I want to tell you, you read that chapter 8 and you will find the diagnosis of a backslidden, broken group of people. And he says, the prophet said, is there no bomb in Gilead? But look at verse 1 of Jeremiah 9 and he tells us what that bomb really is. Amen. He said in Jeremiah 9 and 1, oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Can I tell you, intercessory prayer is the only bomb that will save this lost and broken world. When you look at scriptures like Isaiah 59, it reads like headlines of today. I'm reading it from the ESV. I, don't, I didn't give you this, uh, uh, Sister Bev, but I'm reading from the ESV from Isaiah 59 and 14. Justice is turned back. The righteous stands far away. Truth has stumbled in public squares. Uprightness cannot enter here. Truth is lacking. The King James says truth is fallen. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Can I tell you the reason that there is such an attack on those that speak truth and those that say truth. It is because we're living in a broken culture. We are living in a world that is upside down. Amen. But what the church has got to understand. And if I can somehow today make a clarion call to the church and that is to say we have a bomb we have something at our disposal that we could do we can we could complain about truth truth missing in the American culture we can complain about justice being turned upside down and righteousness standing far away we could gripe about uprightness not even being allowed in our schools not being allowed in our government not being allowed on all kinds of arenas and we could stand and we could protest and we could say all kinds of things but I want to tell you nothing will change you can vote them in and vote them out and nothing will change That's right, Bishop, it hasn't. The Lord sees this world. 
And he's asking us, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? What the Lord is needing today is someone to intercede. In that passage in Isaiah that I was reading from the ESV, let me go back to it. And it says, if, 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 if you depart from evil, you make yourself a prey. You make yourself an open target. The Lord saw it and it displeased him. Goes on to say that there was no justice. And here's the statement in Isaiah 59 and 16. The Lord said, I saw there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Wondered. Here's the condition truth is fallen, justice is injustice. There is such a craziness. I want to tell you today, I, there was a day that, 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 okay, American courts, thank you. But I want to say, oh, Lord, help us in our American court system. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. So what happened? God wondered. God wondered. Have you ever thought about God wondering? Well, the word wonder here literally means appalled. God was appalled. He was stunned. The word means shocked with horror when he looks and says, there's no intercessor. He looks at the condition and he said, I know what the healing bomb would be. I'm preaching to the Holy Ghost right now. I know what the healing bomb would be, but I looked and there wasn't any. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no intercessor? I'm looking for the healing answer. Amen. But I can't find it there. I'm telling you, it's time to return back to the bomb. It is time to say, I know what the answer is. Praise be to God. Let me share with you some things that I have read First quote is from H.C. Van Warmer, who said, I quote, God pity us if we are content with forming crusades, convening conferences, going through revival efforts, enlisting men and money for so-called gospel efforts and missionary machinery. He said, we try to persuade without passion and to win without conquest. It is impossible to win souls with cold hearts and dry eyes. He went on to say, instead of mourning and fasting and intercession, it is now eating and drinking, fun and frolic, rousing hilarity today, and then we wonder why folks are not saved. I am telling you today, it's time for the church to hear the call back to intercessory prayer. Back to intercessory prayer. Over the years, I've been blessed to get some of Bishop's messages that he had printed. I scanned them all and put them in PDF so I could search those things. This is what he preached some years back. He said, Bishop said this, No man can be saved unless there is intercession made for him. No man can be saved unless somebody intercedes. He went on to say, we stand between the sinner and a merciful God. We prepare the sacrifice for the sinner. We expose them to the blood of Jesus. We make an offering of sacrifice for them. This is our calling. This is our responsibility. He went on to say, it takes more than just a song, a prayer, the exposition of words from notes behind a pulpit. It takes more than just simple invitation to church. Somebody's eternity is waiting on intercession. Somebody, somebody is waiting for your intercession and for mine. We get angry because 
We have kids that are lost and grandkids that are lost. And we got folks that are going this way and that way. Amen. But we have forgot within our hands is the bomb. Woo! Now, now it takes time and it takes investment and it takes the possibility of some pain and some agony and some travailing and some prayer and some deep groaning. But we have the bomb in our hand. We have the healing bomb in our hand. They don't just need our condemnation. They don't just need our judgment. They don't just need our finger pointing and our laughing and our remarks. They need intercession. They need intercession. They need intercession. The Bible is full of evidences of what intercession can do. It was Abraham that made intercession. Lot was saved and part of his family because of a man praying up in the mountain somewhere for him. That's why Lot made it out. There could have been a whole city saved, but God got down to what was it, five? It wasn't enough in Lot's family, but still yet it was a praying intercessor, intercessor called Abraham that Lot owed his life to. It was the intercession of Moses that kept God from destroying a whole nation. It was, the, it was intercession that brought Nehemiah to Shushan in the first place so that he would be in the right location to move from cupbearer to the builder of the wall. It was intercession that caused Esther to become queen and sit upon the throne of the queen. Amen. Again, we can curse and complain this broken world or we could say, I know the missing cure. I know what they need. George Whitfield said, give me souls or take my soul. Give me souls. When's the last time we prayed like that? When's the last time we went and put our face in the carpet until tears began to stain the rug in front of us and say, oh God, somehow will you reach them? I'm going to stand as a priest between God and man. I'm going to stand here and I'm reaching for all of God so I can stand and reach for all of them. Would you love the Lord today? The Methodist church is now accepting all kinds of anti-Bible types of lifestyles to be ordained in their ministry, the Methodist Church. You know where their roots are? Their roots are in John Wesley. You know what John Wesley said about this? He said, give me a hundred preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I care not a straw whether they be clergy or laymen. Some alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. God does nothing but an answer to prayer. They have forgotten that. What about the apostolic church? Can we go one week without forgetting the need of intercessory prayers? Can we go a month and a year and say, well, I just accept this is where they are. No, I am not accepting that is where they are because I have a bomb. I'm not fighting them, but I sure am fighting the devil that is in them. I'm not. What would happen if the American Apostolic Church would be like the original Acts Church and say, we will give ourselves completely and devote ourselves to prayer. Nothing happens in earth until we first pray it in heaven. Until we know what God wants in heaven. 
Some are asking the question right now in their life, why isn't God answering my prayers? Why isn't God? It might be because we have gotten a microwave mentality of faith that if I push a few buttons, if I say, now I lay me down to sleep, my soul to keep. But what God is looking for is for intercessors. He's not looking for packed prayers. He's not looking for pious Pentecostal prayers. He is looking for someone that will weep and travail until heaven hears. You know what that early Acts church did? They did like Paul said in 1 Timothy 2 and 1. I exhort therefore that first of all, somebody say first of all, before anything else, Supplications, urgent requests, prayers, and intercession. Intercession is intense, intentional, intimate conversation with the only one that can do anything about it. First of all, first of all, nothing happens until we pray. Ian Bounds wrote volumes on prayer. Let me quote from what he said. He said, prayer... It's not a meaningless function or duty to be crowded into the busy or the weary ends of the day. We are not obeying our Lord's command when we are content ourselves with a few minutes upon our knees in the morning and rush or late at night when we are tired from the task of the day. God is always within a call. That is true. His ear is ever attentive to the cry of his children. But we can never get to know him if we use the vehicle prayer as a telephone for a few words of hurried conversation. He went to say intimacy requires development. Intercession. Intercession. Agonizing. Deep Deep emotion. Intercession is not just simply saying, Lord, touch them, bless them. Lord, you know what sorry case they are in. Help them. That's not intercession. Intercession is something entirely different. I need, I need, Brother John, man, good to have you here today. Thank the Lord. Come on, Brother John. Come help me. It's been a while since you helped me preach. Come here. Come here, uh, Gavin. Come here, Zach. Okay, I want you to stand right over there. I want you to stand right over there. You're the one in need. <laughs> when you're interceding, you're not just simply saying, Oh, Lord, bless them. Lord, would you lead and guide them? Lord, would you help them? Their life is a mess. John's all messed up. <laughs> he needs help, God. You see what he said the other day. You see that he's not been faithful to church. I, I'm just, you, you better not be none of this. <laughs> you, you see, Lord, that his prayer life is really bad and, and he's carnal and indifferent. That's not intercession. That's gossip prayer. That's gossip prayer. That's telling, on God, telling somebody on God. You know, Lord, what they did. You know how they did. God don't have time for that. Here's what intercessory prayer is. I'm stepping in, John. I'm stepping into his skin. And I'm saying somewhere there is, a, there is a way that says no. There is a problem that says leave God. There is an issue that is drawing him over this way. But as an intercessor, I'm stepping into his skin. I'm stepping in and I am, I am praying as if it were me that is here. That is intercessory prayer. And intercessory prayer says, come on, we're going to God. Come on, we're making our way to a God that can help you. That, brothers and sisters, is intercessory prayer. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Where do we learn this? Where do we learn this? Hebrews 7 and 23, or 25 rather, shows us 
what we're led by, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 7.25, wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost. That's however bad they are, however deep their problem, however lost they are, he can save them. Stop giving up on your family. In the Holy Ghost, stop giving up on that situation. There is no answer for it. Oh, baloney. There's a thing called the bomb of Gilead. It is intercessory prayer. And here's what it says. It will save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Jesus Christ, oh, he is our high priest standing in our stead making intercession for us. The man Christ Jesus. But as the king of glory, he is standing over here saying, I got your help. I've got your answer. He man, he is both intercessor and he is provider. He is both the intercessor and he is the healer. He is both the intercessor and he is the helper. When you and I intercede, what we're saying is, I'm partnering with Jesus. I am taking on a partnership with him. And I'm going to pray because I know it's the will of God that my cousin be saved. It's the will of God that they be set free from alcohol. It is the will of God that their minds no longer be clouded with, with depression and woe. It is not the will of God for them to suffer in sickness going to intercede going to intercede so we have intercession right now going on in heaven we also have intercession built in you have I used to say in the church of North Carolina 50% of that church, of that congregation we pastor was African-American. And I'll tell you something about the black community. They have built-in amen-ers. They just, they, you can preach all you want about water, blue water, and they're going to amen. It, it is something about that. Well, can I just tell you, you and I have a built-in intercessor if you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, if you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have a built-in intercessor. You say, Pastor, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. But you have the Holy Ghost that has built-in. Throw that up in Romans chapter 8, if you would, please. You have a built-in intercessor. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit, but the Spirit, a built-in intercessor for that lost loved one, a built-in intercessor for that need, a built-in intercessor for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. There's a lot of preaching that happens without intercession. It happens with talent, good study, and great word. But it often happens. I'm guilty of and have been guilty of that without much intercession. We can sing and worship without intercession. We do it. We can have ministries and activities without intercession. We can have events without intercession. But we can never have a move of heaven on earth without the healing balm of intercessory prayer. You know how we're going to be able to move our freedom celebration from event to a Holy Ghost connection is for some of us to hit our face before God and pray not minutes but moments hours. Oh God, would you get a hold? This is why we do what we're doing. This is why we, we're not just wanting to be loud in the community. We want somebody set free and baptized in the name of Jesus. We want somebody to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But that 
will never happen if we don't interact with the healing balm. This came to me as I was praying and studying for this message. I'll, I'll read it as, I, as it came to me. Church, one day we will stand before God and He will say, You had the healing balm. Did you use it? You had the answer for a lost and broken world. Did you use it? Uh, Pastor, I prayed. I've talked to God. Daniel fasted and prayed for 21 days before he ever got an answer. We want this quick, instant kind of thing. Are you in it for the long haul? You know what? You and I may go by way of the grave, but our intercessory prayer keeps going on. You need to hear this tonight, Amar, today. You need to understand that the intercessory prayer that you lay down, the tears that you have wept for your, your family, for your kids, for those that are in your community, those that are around you, your co-worker, does not die. Keep on praying. Keep on crying. Keep on travailing. Keep on pleading the blood of Jesus over their life. Keep on declaring victory in Jesus' name. Let's, let's bring back the bomb. I'm not saying that we're not in a, we have no intercession. But what I am saying is that we need intentional intercession. What happened this morning when some of the sisters gathered around Sister Peggy was intercession. You saw it in, in demonstration right there. The weeping and the tears that come down across their faces was intercession. They were interceding for Sister Peggy who was interceding for her brother. Bring back the bomb. Intercession is, is really me seeking an audience with the king, getting intimate with the king so that I can stand in the position to bring reconciliation. Standing in the gap for someone looks like this. God, I need you to reach them. Lord, would you help them? They are so broken and wounded. They've given up hope. Oh God, would you go to where they are? And reach them. I've told this story before here, but let me tell it again. My father's mentor, Brother E.J. Hirholzer, was a dynamic prayer warrior of God. And outside of his home, he had a, a trail in the woods that was worn like a cow trail because he walked it every day in prayer. He walked it every day in prayer. My dad would sometimes go with him and they would walk the trails and pray and, and it come to a section of that trail and there was two trees up and, and about this high, the bark had been worn off of them. There was no bark on those trees. And Brother Hirohoso looked at my father and said, I have prayed many a backslidden preachers back to God right here between these two trees. We think that we've got to do some kind of thing that, that is beyond us, that we can't do anything. Go find you some saplings to grab a hold of. Go find you an altar to grab a hold of and say, oh God, I stand between them and hell. I stand between them and darkness. <laughs> Two parts to intercession. Weeping and warring. Weeping and warring. Because intercession is just as much warfare as anything you will do. Colossians 4 and 12. Paphos, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you. Listen to this. Always laboring, fervent for you in prayers. And he may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath zeal for you. And them that are in Laodicea and them in Hyperpolis. He said he's always laboring, always fervent. Can I tell you, Lord has been convicting me about when somebody says, would you pray for me? And I say, yeah. Knowing good and well, I won't get to it until way later on the day. The other day I was in this, this building and had come to prayer. 
And I got a text from Brother Laban, and, and he said, I'm having the most terrible pain I've ever had here dealing with these kidney stones. And so I said, I'm going to prayer right now. I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to call out on God. And I forgot about it and later on text him a little while later. And he said, I want you to know I passed out with pain and was asleep for a long time because he couldn't sleep. And now he's sleeping. And when he woke up, uh, he passed those kidney stones. Uh, amen. Without pain. Am I telling the truth? Uh, amen. Zero pain. Why? Because God answers prayer if we will believe. If you're a member of MPC, I want to talk to you directly. Those of you that are not, you can listen in. We are blessed here at MPC with great word and worship. We have an apostolic heritage that is second to none. But how many intercessors does God have here at MPC? How many people said, I will be the bomb? I will stand in the gap. What level of intercessory prayer are we operating on? Is there a child that we should be weeping over that we're not? Is there a backslidden family member that is lost and we haven't travailed for them until God moves? Is there a sinner in Jackson County in the Tri-County area of Lawrence and Washington that needs God? Are there backsliders in our town that need God? Are there cold and indifferent people on our pews that need God? The only thing will move them will not be our great worship, and we have great worship. It will not be good preaching. It will be prayer that backs all that up. It's intercession time. It's time to bring back the bomb. Would you stand with me, please? I realize today, this is not one of those shout and run the aisle messages, but intercession is the bomb that we need in this hour. The thing about intercession is that you have to kill personal pride to do it. You got to kill personal pride to do it. You and I can't be narcissists and intercessors at the same time. Because you're not praying for yourself. You're praying for somebody else. I can't be a self-centered apostolic and an intercessor at the same time. It can't all be about me and my, and my issue and my body and my sickness and my disease and my troubles. If I'm going to step into an intercession, I've got, I've got to be willing to say, it's not about me. Do you remember when Job, his situation turned? The Bible said when he started praying for his friends, those critics and critiques and those that were giving him sorry advice, when he started praying for them, God said, I'll change that. This bomb will make you and I see ourselves in a different light. And it'll make us look at the world in a different light. I'm going to tell you what the Lord convicted me of. My, my wife and I were talking about this. As a matter of fact, I got a scripture. Let me find it. I've got ahead of myself in these notes. Give me a minute. Can't find it, but I'll just tell you what it, what it says. It says that, oh, it goes back to the scripture where it says, first of all, with prayers and supplications and intercessions with thanksgiving, he went on to say, and pray for all those in leadership. Pray for your kings. We would say, pray for your president. You know what? I will never look at him falling down the steps in the same light. How can I pray for him and make fun of him at the same time? How can I pick at him and, and post memes about his, his antics and, and, and at the same time pray for him because he's putting up a pride flag over the White House? If you're going to intercede, you can't intercede and make fun of at the same time. If you're going to intercede, you can't be all critical and, and, and pronounce all kinds of stuff on people because they, 
they look like a woman and they're really a man or they're a man and they look like a woman or you don't know what they are and you don't know where they're coming from and, and you can't make fun and demean and intercede at the same time. So my challenge to you today is let's bring back the bomb. Let's bring back a focus of an intercessory church that says, dear God, I'm going to stay here until I touch heaven for them, until I touch Jesus for them. Lord, don't let them trample over my prayerless life. Don't let them trample over my lack of, uh, of not being a, a, an intercessor. Lord, if they go to hell, then let them go over my tears. Let them go over my shouts and let them go over my moaning and groaning. Amen. They may never hear it, but heaven will hear it. Are you tired of things in your life? It's time to get the bomb out. You see, intercession is not just about people. It's about situations. It's about praying about things in your life. Somebody today needs to say, I, I, Pastor Gill, today, I hear what you're saying. I am going to pick up the bomb. I am going to pick up intercessory prayer. And I am going to take time. I'll shut down. I'll shut down my watching of YouTube. I'll shut down my time on Netflix. I'll shut down my time on Hulu. Oh, God! Lord, I've said what you put in my heart. Now, Lord, would you do the work? Lord, would you do the work? Lord, would you demonstrate? Lord, will you bring conviction to fall down upon us like a ton of bricks? Oh, God, so that we realize we have the answer. But it doesn't come easy and it doesn't come cheaply. Oh, God, but we must be willing to pay the price. We must be willing to pay the price for intercessor to say, I will stand in the gap and I will make up the hedge. Oh, hallelujah, we're going to prayer. Many are already praying and calling upon the Lord. Amen. It is time for weeping. It is time for weeping. It is time for passion praying. It is time for travailing until God moves in our midst. Hallelujah. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.